This series, His Faithfulness, or God, His Story, God's Faithfulness. We've looked at different episodes through the Old Testament. We started by looking at the first creation narrative where God created His people in His own image. Who are His people? Everybody in the world. If you were born, you were created in the image of God. And so God's faithfulness is that He made you for a purpose. He made you the way that you are for His purpose. Purpose. Even if you wake up and look at yourself in the mirror and you're like, I don't, I don't get it. Well, God does. And so when we tune into his plan for our lives, it's good. He also called us to see other people as he created them in his image as well. And if we did that, that would solve a lot of issues. Second, we looked at the fall. We looked at how we distrusted God. We didn't trust God, but we went ahead and went our own way to find what good and evil is for ourselves. And uh, then we turn now to God and his ways because his ways are better than ours. So trust God was the second episode. The third episode, we looked at the story of Abraham, still in Genesis, first book of the Bible. And we looked at how uh, God promised to bless him. And not only that, but bless the entire world through him. And today you and I have been chosen by God and he has blessed us. Then last week we finished this book of Genesis by the last story in that book with Joseph and how God redeemed Joseph's story and worked together for his good, even though he was forgotten and betrayed and and, uh, all of these bad things happened to him, but God redeemed his life. And not only that, but he redeemed the life of his people. And today that's where we pick up. We made it to the second book of the Bible. Second of 39 in the Old Testament. We're not going to go through all of them, but these are big episodes that I want to focus in on. And we have like four or five more, I'm not sure. But today we're going to look at the story of the Passover. We're going to look at how God has atoned for our sins. That's what we're looking at today, atonement. And if you've been in church for a while, you may be familiar with that word, but many of us I know are not because I had to do a lot of research of what this word was and how it's connected to this Passover story. So let's just dive right in. Atonement is this Hebrew word called kafar, and it means to cover or to forgive. It is the principle that God ultimately overrules human sin for his glory in the ultimate good of mankind. Now, this word overrule is important because when it's overruled, it it can be quickly discerned or or defined as God's ignoring sin or or, or God is just hiding or hiding sin. So he's just kind of leaving it or, or he's just making it disappear. Like overruled, done. Nothing needs to be done about it. But as we look today, we can't allow ourselves to ignore sin, hide from sin, or be, uh, or, or think that sin just disappears. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14, God tells us what he did with sin. It says that for God's will was for us to, meet, to be made holy by the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Atonement means that at one moment, Jesus died for all. That one moment in history that we as Christians celebrate, Good Friday, nothing good happened there. Jesus died on the cross, but the good that happened was afterwards. That that sacrifice that Jesus paid is now good for all mankind, all who have ears to hear and say, yes, I receive this free gift, this free gift of atonement that I am now covered by the blood of the Lamb. God covered our death. 
So let's look at this Exodus story, Passover. I want to skim through it. We're going to land in Exodus chapter 12 here in a little bit. And then I really want to uh, bring home three words that God gave me for today and then three ways that we can really live it out. So the Exodus story, the Passover, and, and you probably know Moses, let my people go, Prince of Egypt, if you've ever seen it, uh, and how God brings his people out of slavery into the promised land. It's the most repeated story in the Bible. So it's a pretty big deal. What God did here symbolizes a lot. We're gonna look at that. But first, remember last week, we, we, we uh, finished with Joseph. So Joseph brought, was, was betrayed and sold into slavery. Into, and it was brought into Egypt. God redeemed his life. And then he came into being the second in command in Egypt. There was a famine and he brought his family now from the land that God had promised the Israelites, the land of Canaan, today Israel. And he brought them into, into Egypt because there was food there. There was a famine going on. So Joseph brought his family. He saved not only God's family, but really a lot of different nations. And he elevated Egypt to this superpower because he gave them the, the, the ability to foresee that this famine was coming, Egypt became rich. Okay, why is this important? Because we flip the page and turn to the second book of Exodus. And we see in verse eight, 400 years have passed. We're in about 1300 BC, 400 years since Joseph. And we see that eventually a new king, this is verse eight of Exodus one. Eventually a new king came to power in Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph or what he had done. So this Pharaoh, this king, this ruler had totally forgotten about Joseph. He did not know that God had chosen Joseph, this Israelite, to save Egypt and thus the entire world through the famine. And instead he saw the Israelites as a threat. They were growing stronger. There were, there were a bunch of them. And so he decided, hey, if we have war, these guys may fight against us. And so we need to oppress them. And he, and he put them in bondage. He put some slaves, uh, some chains, and, and they became slaves. Still, they grew and multiplied. And so Pharaoh came up with this horrible plan to kill every firstborn to make sure that the Israelites did not survive, to, to quench them from influence and power. And it is in this context that Moses is born. Moses' mom gave birth to Moses and made this waterproof basket of papyrus reeds. Fun word to say, papyrus reeds. And, and what's so cool, this is a Bible nerd fact, nerdoid here. The same word in the Hebrew that is this papyrus uh, here is the same word that is used for the wood that Noah Use or built the ark with. Same word there. And the cool correlation there is that the Noah's ark represents a, a vessel of salvation for all of humanity. In this same way, God makes this little, or Moses' mom makes this little basket for this baby Moses as a vessel of salvation for his people. Sends him down the Nile River, rescues him, and who is he adopted and rescued by? None other but the Pharaoh's, the daughter of Pharaoh. So Moses grows up, in Pharaoh's land, he's influential, he has all this power, but he leaves, he escapes because he has this altercation with this Egyptian, ends up killing him because he sees him um, um, uh, treating a, a fellow Israelite not well. And so Moses takes matters into his own hands, recognizes how guilty he is, he gets caught and he takes off, he hides. And it is here where we hear the story of the burning bush when God calls Moses out back to Pharaoh to let his people go into the land 
that he had promised Abraham. And Moses comes up with the craziest five excuses. I don't know if you've had a burning bush experience or if you feel like God's calling you to do something greater than what you are able to do. We come up with excuses. That's what we do. That's what Moses did. So the first thing he told Moses is, hey, God, I'm I'm not up for the job. And and God says, okay, but I will be with you. And then Moses says in verse three, uh, chapter three, verse 13, well, how am I to explain to people that, 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 you know, who you are, who's calling me to do this? And he says, Yahweh, he reveals his name. I am the I am. Tell people that the creator, the almighty God, God is sending you. And then he says, hey, but I don't, I'm no speaker. Uh, I don't have good words. I can't speak well. And God says, well, don't worry about that. I'll give you the ability to speak. And, and finally, he comes up with the last excuse and says, well, you got to just send somebody else. I'm not cut up for this. And God sends his brother Abraham as his mouthpiece and says, you still are the leader. You need to go to Pharaoh and say, hey, let my people go take the chains away. So fast forwarding through all of these terrible plagues, Pharaoh does not let his people go. His heart grows hard. And so the last plague is where we're really focusing on today. That's where we see the story of the Passover is in Exodus chapter 12. Pharaoh orders the death of, I'm sorry, Moses in retribution of Pharaoh ordering the death of every first Israelite says, now every firstborn of in every Egyptian household is going to be killed unless we put some blood on the doorpost. Here we go in Exodus chapter 12, verse 13. We put blood on the doorpost of a lamb and it will serve as a sign marking the houses where you are staying. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. This plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. It sounds strange to, to recognize that this blood is a sign, but it's a sign because it is the blood of the lamb that allows God to pass over. It allows the angel of death to pass over. It covers every person in that house and it allows them to stay alive. How does this make sense to us today. Well, back then the people of God are instructed to sacrifice this Passover lamb, which was perfect without defect. It had to be perfect. And and sacrifice the lamb to enable to put the blood on the doorpost and on the lintel and those in the house are safe, but everywhere else, the families who do not have this blood that covers their doorway is not safe. So now Christ is our Passover in that he is guaranteed that the angel of wrath, the death that we deserve because of our sin can pass over us because Christ has atoned for our sins. It is so important to understand that atonement is only due to what Jesus has done for us on the cross. If you are like me, you pray for protection. You pray for God to cover you when you travel or when you go into a a, a hard circumstance. You ask God, I pray your protection over my external circumstance. We're gonna zoom in today because he's not only talking about the external circumstance here, he's talking about the internal circumstance. If you've ever been invited into someone's home, um, maybe right now you'll just stand in the doorway and hang out there in the doorway but not COVID-19 you know, version of life. When someone invites you into the home, you enter 
into the home. And this is where you have fellowship. This is where you, you, you share life with other people. And so what does the Passover mean to us today? Here are the three words that I have for us this morning. God is asking us to cross the threshold. We need to cross over the threshold. The people of God said, okay, you need to be inside of the house to be safe. And what Jesus is telling us today is that you need to be in relationship with Jesus to be safe. That is what it means to cross the threshold. And for you, maybe, you, you may be thinking about following Jesus and you may be thinking about what that looks like and you may actually be tuning into church or, or reading the Bible and all of that is important, talking to other people about what that means. But crossing the threshold, meaning it means having relationship with Jesus, accepting him into your life and saying that he is not only your savior, but he is in control of your life. And so if you haven't made that decision, continue to seek. And I would encourage you today, go ahead and cross the threshold. Cross the threshold, enter into relationship. I'm gonna give you three reasons why in three ways that we are distracted but first, for us that have entered into relationship with Jesus, we can talk about the house, we can talk about the covering, we can talk about the verses, and we can even talk to our friends and, and our fellow brothers and sisters about what we are going through. But there's only one thing that can atone for your sin, and that is relationship with Jesus Christ. No friend can forgive you for the sins that you have committed to God. And so allow me to just talk about these three distractions that we allow us that, to keep us from crossing the threshold. And I would encourage all of us here and in here to do that today. Let's cross the threshold because Jesus has invited us into his, uh, into his house. He has invited us into relationship with him. The first one is we ignore sin. That is what disallows, first thing that disallows us from crossing the threshold. We sense it, we kind of see it, and then we quickly just ignore it. Pharaoh ignored Moses not 10 times. And then he ended up, the, the story ends by Moses lets the people go, but he doesn't just let them go. He chases after them. And that's when the dramatic story of the Red Sea comes into play. Pharaoh's heart is hard. And sometimes our hearts are hard and we don't allow ourself to, ourselves to, to recognize the sin that lives inside of us. And so the first step, instead of ignore confess. First Corinthians chapter five, verses six through eight. The context here is kind of, you know, dramatic. Paul is calling them out for not only not talking about a sexual sin that exists in, within the church, but they're actually celebrating it. And so in first Corinthians chapter five, verses six through eight, Paul is serious. He says, hey, you're boasting about this is terrible. Don't you realize that this sin is like a little yeast that spreads through the whole batch of dough. Get rid of the old yeast by removing this wicked person from among you. Then you will be like a fresh batch of dough made without yeast, which is what you really are. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed for us. So let us celebrate the festival, not with the old bread of wickedness and evil, but with the new bread of sincerity and truth. So we can ignore that little piece of yeast. And the more we ignore it, the more it grows and it just doesn't stop with us, it spreads. Unhealth, sin spreads into our families and into our friend groups. 
And so what God is calling us to do today is let's cross the threshold and confess that sin. Be what Jesus, hold on to that. Christ is our Passover lamb. It's done. It is finished. And we can celebrate the festival, not with the old bread, but with the new, with, of sincerity and truth. When we celebrate communion, which we do in this church every first of the month, every first Sunday of the month, we're celebrating the Passover meal, that we are not defined by our sin, but we are defined by the lamb who paid the price for us. When John the Baptist saw Jesus coming in, in, in John chapter one, he called him out and said, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so we celebrate that we don't need to worry about uh, uh, ignoring, but we can actually confess our sin and we can be healed. And we can do so, I love this, with sincerity and truth. I encourage you as we continue looking at these last two, allow God to speak to you. Allow God to unearth things so that we can be healed. And, and that may mean being real authentic and real raw but you're doing that to your heavenly father who knows everything anyway. So we don't need to be afraid. The second thing is we hide. We hide. Moses hid. So when Moses got caught, he had murdered this Egyptian. He took flight. He peaced out and he went and hung out and, and was a shepherd for a long time until God called him out again and said, hey, you gotta go back. I have a purpose for you. It's also interesting that Adam and Eve, when the first thing that they did when they ate of the apple is they found some leaves and they covered themselves because that's what we do. That's what we do. When we recognize the sin, our first, our MO is to hide. It's not to surrender. And that's what God calls us to do. He calls us to surrender Allow him into your circumstance right now and just say, Lord, I surrender these things. He's not surprised. He knows us. And you know, there's no safer place than being in relationship with Jesus Christ. It is between you and your heavenly father, the church. We all play a support cast. And if, if one person is suffering in the church, then we're called to carry each other's burdens. But there is only one that has overcome death and can truly atone for our sins. And that is God. Psalms 18.2 says that the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. There are seven descriptors there of how safe God is. He is our rock. He is our fortress, our deliverer, the one in whom we can take refuge. He's our refuge, our shield, horn of our salvation and our stronghold. It's no safer place than being in relationship with Jesus. But he's not going to expose those things. He's asking us to surrender. A couple days ago, I came home and Micah was building some Legos. She was so excited. She called me into the room. But before I, came, I could come into the room, Ezra, our one and a half year old, was storming in. And when he storms in and there's built up Legos, it only means one thing, that destruction is coming. And so she did, so cute. She found this basket and she plop, put it in, put it on top of the Legos and neither I could see the Legos. And then you know, Ezra just cried because he's like, I can't destroy the Legos. We do that. When destruction, when, when, when we feel vulnerable, instead of surrendering to God, we turn to our vices. We turn to things that we can quickly cover up our sin. I know that doesn't make sense because building Legos is not a sin, but you understand the covering. 
we cover our sin and we turn to our own vices. We turn to sin and we turn to these devices to look for value and to look for some sort of instant gratification that will help us forget even if momentarily because it is very momentary when we turn to anything but Jesus. Jesus is calling us here, surrender to me and allow me as you cross the threshold to fully atone you of whatever sin you are dealing with. So hide, and then the solution there is to surrender. And the third thing that distracts us from crossing the threshold is false hope. False hope that things will just disappear. You ever thought that? Man, if I just ignore it, or if I hide from it, just a matter of time, and it'll just bloop, disappear. Well, I have bad news for you. Sin does not disappear until it is dealt with. It never disappears. Five, 10, 15, 20 years. And let me just make it a little bit more daunting. It passes, it is passed on from generation to generation. Sin is a curse. And that curse can only be broken by the blood of the perfect lamb named Jesus Christ. And so if you think, if I think that just this will just disappear, it's not true. What is true is that God made a way and he called us to have faith in him. Not faith in ourself or, or any other circumstance, but faith in him that he can actually take care of that issue. And then he didn't make it disappear. We remember what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Sin had a price and Jesus paid that price in full. I wanna to turn to Hebrews 11 and I got two more scriptures and then I'm closing. In Hebrews 11, the author calls out Moses as a man of faith. And so instead of thinking that sin will just disappear, have faith in Jesus. Moses, it says in verse 24 of Hebrews 11, it was by faith that Moses, when he grew up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to share the oppression of God's people instead of enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. He thought it was better to suffer for the sake of Christ than to own the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking ahead to his great reward. It was by faith that Moses left the land of Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. He kept on going because he kept his eyes on the one who is invisible. And it was by faith that Moses commanded the people of Israel to keep the Passover and to sprinkle blood on the doorpost so that the angel of death would not kill their first sons. Moses kept his eyes on the invisible one. Moses at this point had never seen God. Moses had only heard God and he had faith in the one who conquered death. My favorite verse through this season and officially today, I'm declaring it, it is my favorite verse of all time is in John 16, verse 33, when Jesus says that he's told us everything, everything that he has told us, he has told us so that in him we may have peace. Because in this world, we will have trouble but we can take heart knowing that he overcame the world. He overcame the world. Let's close out uh, this verse in, in Exodus 12. So the final words before the actual Passover and the Exodus takes place. God is telling his people in, in Exodus 12, verse 25, when you enter the land, the Lord has promised to give you, you will continue to observe this ceremony. And then your children will ask, what does this ceremony mean? And you will reply, 
It is the Passover sacrifice to the Lord, for he passed over the houses of the Israelites in Egypt. And though he struck the Egyptians, he spared our families. And when Moses had finished speaking, all the people bowed down to the ground and worshiped. If you have kids, especially little kids, you're probably being asked a lot of questions these days. Why are people wearing masks? What is going to happen with school? What is going to, you know, why aren't we going over to so-and-so's house anymore? Why aren't we inside of the church? All of these things. And we are to give reasons for them. How cool would it be if we can tell our kids, and if you don't have kids, if you can tell somebody younger than you, what does this season mean? What is God doing through this season? What are these stones that we've been talking about? These living stones. We looked at this passage in Joshua where people at the end of the Exodus, they live in the desert. I'm fast forwarding to next week, but bear with me. And then, and then Joshua is commanded by God to take these stones and put, set them up as a memorial so that we could remember God's faithfulness so that we can remember that God is working through us in this season. And yes, all this crazy stuff out there externally, there is death all around us, but it also exists within us. What if we told our kids and folks around us that we're taking care of that stuff, that we're allowing ourselves instead of ignoring it, we are confessing it. Instead of hiding, we are surrendering it. And instead of just thinking that it'll disappear, we are carrying on with faith. And it was faith that caused the people at the end of this verse, Moses finished speaking, all the people bowed down to the ground and worshiped this. It had not been done yet. He had not passed over. And yet the people in faith bowed down to the ground and worshiped. Let me tell you something. Let's have faith, Cypress Creek Church, because we live for a greater purpose. We don't live for this earth. We live for the one that is to come. And we may stand out as crazy people rejoicing over what God is doing. But when we do that, we are honoring the one who came to pay the price for our sins in whom we have atonement. And as we do this individually, as I look internally at my stuff, my family is blessed. If, if, if I take care of my things, it impacts those around me. And you know what that does then? It impacts our community when we do it as a church. And so as I close, I want to encourage us, let's cross the threshold. Let's go there with Jesus. Let's be a church that enters into a relationship with Jesus and doesn't ignore sin, but confesses it, doesn't hide from sin, but surrenders it and doesn't think it'll disappear, but we carry on with faith. I want to close with a psalm. It's a fitting one for this time. So as the worship team comes back up, I want to read Psalm 91 over all of us today. Because indeed he is here, indeed he is covering us. And I believe that he is doing amazing things in and for us. So just listen and receive these words, Psalm 91, as I close. Those who live in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. This I declare about the Lord. He alone is my refuge, my place of safety. He is my God and I trust him. For he will rescue you from every trap and protect you from deadly disease. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. 
Do not be afraid of the terrors of the night nor the arrows that fly in the day. Do not dread the disease that stalks in darkness nor the disaster that strikes at midday. Though a thousand fall at your side, though 10,000 are dying around you, these evils will not touch you. Just open your eyes and see how the wicked are punished. If you make the Lord your refuge, if you make the Most High your shelter, no evil will conquer you. No plague will come near your home, for he will order his angels to protect you wherever you go. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. You will trample upon lions and cobras. You will crush fierce lions and serpents under your feet. The Lord says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer. I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. I will reward them with a long life and give them my salvation. Lord, we hold on to these words, knowing that you have atoned us. You cover us, you protect us. And we thank you this morning that that is true. As we look internally at at sin issues, Father, I pray that before we leave from our time together this morning, that we would confess it, that we would surrender it, and that we would have faith that it is done, that you have overcome this world and, and, and the punishment of our sin. And we can leave here knowing that we have life in you, Jesus. I pray a special blessing over every individual and every family. In your mighty name, Jesus, I pray. Amen.